Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the show. My guest today is Leo Kirsch. He's a comedian, writer, and a YouTuber. I brought Leo on to discuss the most important news stories of the last few weeks. Real hard-hitting stuff today, like why J.K. Rowling had been written out of the new Fantastic Beasts trailer, how Sainsbury's are signaling their virtue by telling shoppers that they're racist on Twitter, why Jesse from Little Mix has been accused of appropriating black culture because she has ginger curly hair, how Nicki Minaj is rehabilitating people's personal brands over Instagram Live, why Leo got involved in a debate about censorship in comedy, which descended into the historic oppression of women's football, and much more. Hope that you had a good Christmas. Hope that you have survived time at home with your family. And if you are looking forward to the new year, if you've got plans that you need to make and goals that you want to set, the Modern Wisdom annual review template is available and it's free and you should go and download it immediately. chriswillex.com slash review. It's the exact process that I use every single year to reset my goals, learn the lessons from the last 12 months and set some plans and move forward for the next coming year. chriswillex.com slash review. In other news, this episode is brought to you by Shortform, uber high-quality guides to non-fiction books, kind of like your smartest friend teaching you about a book. If you're short on time, use Shortform to check out the key ideas and decide if you want to invest in reading the full book. You can discover new books that you've always heard of but have never had time to read. For books that you've already read, you can use Shortform to remember the key points, and there are thousands and thousands of book summaries each with detailed analysis. Smart insights help to connect what one author thinks to another, creating a growing web of ideas. There's even interactive exercises after each chapter to improve your comprehension and your retention. You might be thinking for next year that you're going to start a reading habit and consume some more high-quality information. Shortform is a pretty good place to begin. There's been a 100x rise in books, articles, podcasts, and videos over the last 20 years, but your free time has stayed exactly the same, and people need something to help them find the best ideas fast. You can also get a free unlimited pass for five days for the next 200 people that sign up at shortform.com slash modernwisdom. And if you choose to stick about after that, you get 30% discount on your annual subscription, but there is no obligation. Sign up at shortform.com slash modernwisdom to get unlimited access for five days. And then if you want to stick about, it is a 30% discount on an annual subscription. In other other news. This episode is also brought to you by Element. You do not need to have coffee first thing in the morning when you enter 2022. It's a new year. Why don't you try new morning routine? Have salt in water first thing in the morning. It will mean that your adrenal system is optimized. It'll help you to curb cravings. It'll mean that you're properly hydrated. Your first coffee wasn't impacting your fatigue in any case. When you do have your first coffee, maybe 90 minutes or 20, two hours later in the day, you're genuinely going to feel it. You're going to sleep better on a nighttime because you've reduced your caffeine and you're going to be super hydrated. How good's that? Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of sodium, potassium, and magnesium with none of the junk, no sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, and no BS. People do not get enough sodium, potassium, and magnesium, and they play a critical role in reducing muscle cramps and fatigue while optimizing brain health, regulating appetite, and curbing cravings. Element is the exclusive hydration partner to a Team USA weightlifting and relied on by tons of Olympic athletes and high performers in the NFL, NBA, NHL, Special Forces, Navy SEAL teams, FBI sniper teams, and Marines, plus tech leaders and everyday athletes around the world. Also, you can get a free sample pack of all eight flavors, so you can do it for an entire week and a day. All that you need to do is cover the cost of the shipping and pay nothing for the pack. Head to drink 
lmnt.com slash modernwisdom. Drink lmnt.com slash modernwisdom. It's $5 shipping to the US or like £3.84 to the UK. You pay nothing for the pack, just pay for the shipping, and you can try it out for an entire week. Drink lmnt.com slash modernwisdom. But now it is time for the wise and wonderful Leo Kirsch. Oh yeah, P.S. We have a special festive edition end of year roundup thing happening with me, Johnny and Youssef this tomorrow, happening tomorrow, and that will be live this Thursday. Yeah, um, I mean the UK's the UK's all right. Uh, we've got Omicron going around at the moment. I've got Omicron right now, in case you're wondering why I sound kind of blocked up. You're kidding. So everybody's got it. Like basically, you know, I'm always out doing gigs, doing shows and stuff. Doing, I think, I think I might have actually got it um, at a TV studio because I went in and everybody had a cold, and Omicron is a cold basically. So um, yeah, I had I had coronavirus. I had like the original and best first wave of coronavirus back in uh, August. Uh, and that absolutely floored me. You know what I mean? I was like, I wish I'd got vaccinated. But um, that that was bad. Uh, and Omicron, I mean, it's still bad, but it's like a, it's like a cold. It's not like, you know, it's not like... This is Diet die. Coke. What? It's Diet Coke? Yeah, it's Diet Coke compared with full fat Coke. So you've got like the big, the big full original hit, and then you've got like the new version without caffeine, without anything else in. Yeah, which actually makes you fatter because <laughs> your body thinks it's had sugar. And it hasn't. So, I don't know. Yeah. I um, I saw that Omicron seems to be a little bit more transmissible, but far less deadly or something. There's only been one person that's died from it so far. Hugely more transmissible, three and a half times more transmissible. And uh, COVID was already a very transmissible disease. So Omicron, basically, you know, if you're near somebody who's got it, you're probably going to get it. Except, you know, sometimes you won't. Like my fiance doesn't doesn't have it. Um, and, um, uh, yes, it's a lot less, uh, it's kind of, it's kind of flat. The, se- the severity of hospitalizations is kind of flat. It's about 25 to 30%. Um, whereas with the uh, original COVID, uh, the severity started off very low, uh, for like young people, uh, and then rose dramatically for, for older people. So it was up around 85, 90% for, for older people. Um, so this one's less severe overall, but slightly more severe for, for young people, which is great because one, one of the bad things about coronavirus is like it didn't affect children. So all these annoying little snotty-faced brats are running about enjoying themselves. And I think if there's any justice, I mean, I did like how coronavirus went for like the, the fat and the elderly and the vulnerable. You know, it's try, I, what I couldn't believe was like the Tories, uh, the Tories tried to stop it. Like coronavirus is basically enacting Tory policy, or what I've been told Tory policy is. And then the Tories try and stop. Like next election, I'm voting for coronavirus. It's doing a much better job at like wiping out like vulnerable people than the Tories are. Yeah, it's so weird because um, I learned that viruses they tend to get more lethal. Uh, sorry, less lethal over time, but more transmissible. And this is what we're seeing, yeah. right? That Omicron, because killing the host is actually a really rubbish way to reproduce. So yeah, that's why Ebola, Ebola doesn't get anywhere because you know every dies before they can give it too to too lethal. Someone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a strange one. I saw uh, J.K. Rowling got herself in bother again, eh? 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. So she tweeted, because, um, oh yeah, so basically the police in Scotland, Scotland, Scotland's a really weird, got a really weird government at the moment, so they're trying to be super woke. Uh, so there's, there's sort of, and I think it's because they're uh, propped up by the Green Party, uh, but the SNP, Scotland's government, uh, they're trying to be super woke with all this sort of like, uh, you know, if you, if you look at any adverts for the Scottish government, you know, anything, you'd think Scotland was like the most multiracial, cosmopolitan, uh, everybody's in a, you know, dancing around with beards and makeup and, you know, in a tutu and stuff. And Scotland's not like that at all. You've got one black person. Yeah, it's got literally one black person. It's like, <laughs> Scotland is 96% white. You know, so it's bizarre that they're trying to push this uh, this image of, you know, like they're a Benetton uh, advert or like, you know, like a university It's a tiny, tiny world. It's yeah, a t- it's like... Yeah. If you look at the SNP, they, they, they think that Scotland's like a university prospectus cover. Um, it's <laughs> but uh, so they're, they're trying, they're bringing through all this like woke legislation, and uh, usually it's just used by them as a as a lever to to do their dirty work. So, um, for example, they've you know they brought through the hate crime bill, uh, and then used uh, they didn't use the actual bill, but they used the sort of um, the uh, emotion or the the momentum behind it to depose uh, so one of Sturgeon's enemies, one of Sturgeon's rivals on the front bench, Joanna Cherry. Uh, she was um, she was knocked off for the the front bench because uh, she was accused of being transphobic, and she she's not transphobic. She's um, you know she's a middle aged lesbian. She's you know just a nice person. Um, but you know anything can be uh, construed as transphobic. It's one, it's one of those words. It's like calling somebody a witch. Uh, if you call someone racist or transphobic, it's you know you might as well accuse no like I never meet any genuine racists anymore. Uh, I used to when I lived in Scotland, but like you know like in the nineties there were genuine racists. Now you know it's very hard to to find any genuine racists. There's people but, um, that say things that can be misconstrued as racism, and then that slime is really difficult to get off them. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so it's just you know if you accuse someone of racism or transphobia, you know you can you can just destroy them. But um, but yeah, so J.K. Rowling, um, so Police Scotland have uh, have changed the law so that um, if uh, if a biological male or a man basically rapes someone, um, but then says that they're a woman, Police Scotland will be will be like, yeah, you're a you're a woman, and then they'll be prosecuted and treated as a woman and sent sent to a women's prison. Even if you know they're making no effort to look like a what we traditionally consider to be a woman, um, and you know obviously there's huge issues with this. You know women in prisons um, are incredibly vulnerable. So if you send biological males in, then you know that's that's that that's obviously going to cause problems, particularly if that person's already you know a rapist. And you can see why. A rapist would want to go to a women's prison so they can continue raping. Um, and um, so J.K. Rowling uh, did a tweet. I mean, you, you might have it in front of you, but it was, it was quite a clever, um, you know, it was a play on this sort of Orwellian uh, newspeak of... Because uh, what happened under communism was basically you had to say the opposite of reality was true. And every day you were forced to say the opposite of reality was true, whether it was, you know... Uh, things are getting better. Uh, we've all got enough food to eat. Uh, Stalin's a great leader. Um, you know, you had to chant all this stuff, just just as you do with woke ideology. You yeah, know, the, you've got the to, tweet woke- from uh, the tweet from J.K. Rowling was: "War is peace. 
Freedom is slavery. Ignorance is strength. The penist individual who raped you as a woman. Yeah. So, I mean, quite a pithy, incisive and clear, you know, you can really see what she's saying. So, obviously, that's, that's denounced as uh, transphobic. When it's, it's not transphobic. I mean, she's not... Um, Obviously, you know, J.K. Obviously, there's, there's transphobes out there, but I think J.K. Rowling and me, probably you, we recognise that, you know, transgender women and transgender men who really transition and really put the effort in and, you know, want to live as that gender um, are genuinely, you know, I, I know transgender women, they're genuinely trans, transgender, they're genuinely women, and I, I see them as women. Um, but if you're just a bloke, who's saying that they're transgender, using, you know, exploiting the self-identification rules to say that they're a woman. It's like, no, you're not. But I don't understand. The, it, the, thing, the thing that I don't understand is that that seems to me to undermine genuine trans people's rights more than criticizing yeah. people that do that. You shouldn't want to have your movement and your identity co-opted by people who genuinely don't believe it and just see it as a, a an opportunistic way to move themselves to a different type of prison or to get out of um, particular types of culpability. Yeah, yeah, no, absolutely. It's scary, man. Yeah. I, I don't know. So I've spent, um, since I've been out here in Austin, I've spent a good bit of time with a girl called Blair White. Are you familiar with her? Oh, yeah. Yeah, so I've spent a good bit of time with Blair, who is a, a trans woman and fucking hell man like it's been it's it's the first time that i've spent a, a significant amount of time around somebody that's trans and yeah. it's really been um like an eye-opener to me because i it's easy to see her i mean have you seen what blair looks like oh yeah yeah Yeah. i mean so she's she's about as womanly as you're going to get she looks like someone yeah. who's about to step onto love island and yeah it's it, it would be impossible to think of her as anything else but a woman and she uh is pre-op she's not had the downstairs surgery um but yeah. i mean dude, well, a, a lot of transgender women don't have the surgery because then you've got like a, there's a one in three chance you'll never orgasm again no it's way not, uh, yeah it's not a particularly you know good or successful surgery to have okay so, um, i didn't know that um but yeah. dude there's no way that i couldn't see and this is the thing i said this to to michael malice who i was out with and i'm like look dude is it wrong for me to say that it is so much easier for me to treat Blair like a woman because she looks and acts and sounds and is shaped like a woman? Yeah. No, it's absolutely not wrong. And that's what, you know, all, um, you know, I think there's such a debate over like, you know, what is a woman? When, when does a transgender woman become a woman? And uh, I think there's obviously a hotness rule. There's obviously a hot, like if you reach a certain level of hotness, you can use the women's toilets, you can use the women's changing rooms. And if you're just like a bloke with a beard and stuff, no, you can't use the women's changing rooms because you're not a woman. And I'd apply this to biological women as well. So, I mean, a lot of the TERFs who were, you know, criticizing me for, uh, for saying transgender women are women, you know, I was looking at some of them and it's like, you're barely classifiable as a mammal. Like, how can you be sitting there like this dumpy, you know, mid fifties, like you know, hairy chin, harried and battle axe, being all like, "Oh, these women are women." It's like you're not a woman. Like Blair White is way more, way more of a woman than some of these terfy old bents. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, Blair even committed. She's committed so much to being a woman that she even drives badly. So that <laughs> that was being in her car. She's got a bright pink Mustang, uh, nice. which. 
So I pulled out of the gym and drove past where Joe Rogan's recording studio is, which is supposed to be semi-secret, but pretty much everybody in Austin knows where it is. And there's this yeah. bright pink fucking Ford Mustang outside. I'm like, if anyone wanted to advertise, not only that Blair White's on his show, but also where the <laughs> studio is, it's like pull that thing yeah. up outside. But yeah, man, I mean, she she literally even drives like a woman. And it's so... um. It's been really eye-opening, been really, really eye-opening to spend some time around somebody who, you know, I, I think that the first time or one of the times that she did mushrooms, she looked in the mirror and for the first time she saw herself as a woman. And you think, okay, that's, that's somebody who genuinely has a discordance between how they see themselves and how the rest of the world yeah. sees them and how they feel inside. And that this kind of reframed, you know, born in the wrong body, gender identity, yeah. all of this sort of stuff. And um, yeah, not that I wasn't sympathetic previously, but I'm even more empathetic now. You know, like I yeah. can genuinely see the, the, the trials and tribulations of somebody who wants to be something different. And why the fuck, in whose world, how much of a cunt would I need to be to not call her she? Like I would yeah. need to be yeah. a colossal prick to not do that. <laughs> um, so of course I'm like, I'm absolutely sweet with that. But on the flip side, like you say, some guy fucking hairy chested, six foot three guy with massive hands and a fucking beard, yeah. like that decides to go and attack somebody and is then just uses a self-identification rule to get out of that. That feels to yeah. me like more of an attack on trans rights than saying that that shouldn't be the case. Exactly, because that's, I mean, stories like that, that that tend to make it into the news and onto social media, so then everybody thinks that that's what transgender people are, when in reality, most transgender people, I mean, uh, for a start, a lot of them pass, a lot of them, you walk past them in the street, you wouldn't even know, like Blair White, you met her, you wouldn't know that yep. she's she's not um, originally, you know, biologically female. Um, so, uh, you know, most of the sort of transgender people, certainly, certainly the ones that I know, they, they want to they get on with their lives and not have this spotlight thrown on them uh, that's brought there by, um, by you know, basically, basically blokes uh, saying that they're women, trying to explain. I mean, there, there's some funny examples, like Will Franken, who's actually from Texas, I don't know if you know him. No. Um, he's a comedian, um, really, really funny comedian, but a bit crazy. But um, he, and he, he sort of preempted all this about five years ago, uh, he basically said he was a woman, <laughs> and um, then you know he started getting lots of work with the BBC and stuff. And um, but he, he wasn't put, he just put a, put a frock on, and that was it. But it was really funny. Like you know, <laughs> you'd uh, turn on Radio Four, and then they'd be like, "We're we're here with a female comedian." Uh, started calling himself Sarah Franken, uh, female comedian Sarah Franken. He'd be like, "Hey, how you doing?" You know what I mean? <laughs> I remember I booked him. I booked him for a show. A show that run hate and live, really fun show. Uh, it's basically improvised hatred based on audience suggestions. Uh, really fun to do, but it was at the Edinburgh Fringe, and um, so he or, or she, Sarah, Sarah Franken at the time, because uh, he's he's gone back to being a man now. But uh, Sarah Franken uh, booked her, and she she was standing outside smoking a cigarette, and she was like sort of huddled under the awning because it was raining. And uh, the bouncer saw her, you know, the six foot two bloke in a, in a frock, uh, you know, with a wig, you know, sort of smoking a cigarette. And the bouncer was like, can you move away from the, from the entrance, please? And uh, Sarah just turned around and was like, you're going to make a lady smoke in the rain? Like, it was the funniest thing I've ever seen, man. <coughs> Fuck, man. I don't know. It's all, it's all up in the air. But then J.K. Rowling's been written out of the Fantastic Beasts trailer. Do you see that? That's just got released today. 
Man, it's it's a ridiculous like it's ridiculous and like obviously somebody like J.K. Rowling, she's got her billions of pounds, she's still making money from the Fantastic Beasts and whatever, but she's not said anything that's particularly horrific. She said stuff. I mean, she said stuff that maybe I wouldn't agree with. Like, but other people say stuff that I, I don't agree with. I don't think they should be like you know removed from her like, own body of work. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. 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 J.K. Rowling's name has been downgraded in a trailer promoting the latest film of a Fantastic Beast series amid a row over views on trans identification. Unlike previous adverts for the franchise, Rowling's name barely features in the two and a half minute trailer for the third installment, Fantastic Beasts Something Something Something. The new trailer opens with the caption "Warner Bros. invites you," while the 2018 film said J.K. Rowling invites mm. you and credit her, credited her with writing and producing her film. Kiri Tunks, co-founder of the campaign group Women's Place UK, told the Daily Telegraph, this attempt to detach a female author from her own creative achievement is astonishing, but is just the latest episode in a long history of women being erased. So now you have the intersecting uh, groups of of concern coming in. Okay, so we're yeah. actually more bothered about women and their progress, or are we more bothered about protecting trans people and their progress and people that aren't actually trans and are pretending to be? Hmm. Yeah, it's a difficult one, man. I don't know. I don't know yeah. how this ends up ends up finishing, but J.K. Rowling continues to get herself into hot water quite easily. Yeah, just by saying stuff that's you know fairly pithy, and you can see the point she's making. And it's like we should be able to make points. We should be able to say that, like you know, if a man uh, rapes a woman, um, he's you know there's an issue with him. Then saying that he's a woman and going to tra- going to a women's prison. The, you know, it's, it's really obvious truth. This, this is the thing that really surprised me about wokeism is how, how similar it is to communism in that you're not allowed to say really obvious truths and everybody has to pretend that the, the lie is the truth. Against the sort of party line, so to speak. I mean, yeah, yeah, I don't know, man, especially given the fact that you don't need to have gone through legal changes. You don't need to have shown that you've been transitioning for a period of time. And it's like, yeah. fuck, do you know what it is? If you haven't done those things and if you rape somebody, like the benefit of the doubt gets to go out of the window. You've sequestered any goodwill from society mm. if that happens. And who the, fuck's yeah. su- who the fuck's supposed to be defending rapists here? How have yeah, we got yeah, onto yeah. a situation where rapists are being defended? Yeah, yeah. But the ideological strength of the sort of trans rights or a certain section of the trans rights movement uh, I don't think they represent. I don't think they speak for a, a lot of trans people. But the the ideological purity overrides, you know, any sort of real world uh, questions or you know anything, anything like the fact that you know what about a rapist? It's What's... ridiculous. I mean, I was, I was and I was talking to um, India Willoughby, who's a who's a trans journalist. Um, so she she called Andy No a Nazi. So, you know, I, I just did a tweet about how, you know, the, the word Nazi has been devalued so much that, you know, this, this uh, gay BAME uh, journalist, uh, the son of Vietnamese refugees who, you know, exposes uh, corruption, hypocrisy and violence on, on the left, um, you know, is, is deemed a Nazi. And, uh, you know, she, she probably, it turned, turned out somebody, somebody added to the, the thread saying that um, India Willoughby had described described him as an Uncle Tom, which is obviously a viciously racist thing to, to say. Um, and, but he, he misgendered India when he said it. And India was like, you've misgendered me. Like, as if that was 
the thing that we should all be paying attention to, not her racism. Uncle Tom. Yeah, precisely. Yeah. Fuck my, yeah. my dude, my favorite Andy No story is a video that anyone can go and watch on YouTube and it's people other people being mistaken for Andy No. <laughs> Antifa rallies. Have you seen this? Oh fuck, dude. It is so you need to do you need to do a video on this. So um there's a guy, Asian dude, walking through a Antifa uh like rally thing people holding placards there's a guy holding a, a camera and they're shouting at him going are you fucking andy no fuck you andy and then people start going up to him and this dude he's got a mask on right so he comes up to them takes the mask off and he says are you being serious like this is the third time that this has happened to me now and the guys are like what so you're telling me that just because i'm asian and i look like andy no that you're going to abuse me from the side of the street and the person that stood next to the guy holding the camera goes well, it kind of seems like you're doing it on purpose. And he's like, doing what? Being Asian. <laughs> Fuck, man. That's amazing. It's so that's good. <laughs> but that's the most pejorative thing. Like, think about how fucking judgmental that it's is. So, it's so deeply racist. <laughs> say, like, there's an Asian guy, possibly Andy No. Let's get him. Like... <laughs> What about the uh, government's conversion therapy bill? What's happening there? Well, I just I just did a video about it. Um, so basically, the government's uh, bringing through this bill to to ban conversion therapy, which sounds like a good good idea on the face of it, because you know conversion therapy historically has involved you know elect, administering electric shocks to to gay people uh, while they watch gay porn, which obviously doesn't stop them being gay. It just introduces them to to a fetish. Um, and uh, yeah, like all kinds of laying on of hands, praying. Um, like Lou, Lou Reed, Lou Reed was subject to it. this. I mean, this this only stopped in the or you know stopped being administered by the by the state or by official authorities. And I think it was about the seventies. So it's you know a relatively uh, recent thing that that stopped. Um, and you know in the old days they did things like transplanting testicles um, to try and uh, make people straight. It was you know crazy. And what like the, Even the testicles were the were the, the center, the epicenter of the gayness? I guess that's that's what the thought was. It's the, the epicenter of your, your sexuality. So um, That is yeah, fucking medieval, yeah. isn't it? Jesus. And even even lobotomies and stuff as well. So um, it's crazy because homosexuality up until like, the 60s or the 70s was actually classified as a mental illness. Um, and... You know, so obviously it's barbaric, I and mean, it still goes on. You know, sometimes, particularly with you know religious groups, and um, you know, it's, it's bad. But what the what the government's conversion therapy bill does is uh, it also bans uh, it classifies um, any sort of treatment for gender dysphoria um, other than um, actually transitioning classifies that as uh, conversion therapy. So if you if you but a, a lot of transgender people, especially you know children, teenagers, um, they're presenting. They're, they're confused about their sexuality, or they've got um, uh, depression or anxiety, or there's other things that are affecting it. And between the the data we've got at the moment says that between sixty and ninety percent of them uh, will reconcile to their biological uh, gender, their natal gender, um, if if allowed to. But the the system we've got at the moment is is just funneling them into into treatment because um, the so only current procedure which is permitted is to reassign gender. 
Yeah, so they're, they're put on puberty blockers, which are, you know, they say, oh, this is just to, to buy time. Uh, but it's, it's not, it starts a, a sort of cascade and they're, they're put into, into a, um, a sort of conveyor belt um, that um, leads them to, to be given cross-sex hormones and then surgery. And it happens surprisingly quickly, considering the sort of, um, you know, how dramatic and how you know, powerful the side effects of some of these things are. Um, so a lot of the drugs, the hormones, the puberty blockers, they, um, they can cause infertility, they can weaken bones, um, you know, cause all sorts of problems. And also the surgery, um, you know, if you remove breasts, that's permanent. Um, if you, uh, you know, transition the genitals with surgery, that's permanent and causes infertility as well. So there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of issues with with this, but you know, children and, and there, this industry has just sort of exploded. Um, just a few years ago, there was just one one gender transition clinic in the states. Now there's over three hundred. So this huge industry has has blown up, and they're not allowed to have a sort of free and honest and open debate around it because uh, academia and and the medical industry is systemically woke. So any questioning of any of this is seen as uh, as transphobic. And is, is silenced and shut down, and any academics that research it, um, even if even if they're you know taking a balanced look and, and being uh, you know sympathetic um, to transgender people, they, they get they get denounced and their their books are banned and um, they they get you know thrown out of their universities. So there isn't the data and there isn't the the debate and the the sort of academic research that is really needed um, to you know, to judge what's best. And this this bill sort of adds to that by by um outlawing any treatment other than gender uh gender reassignment surgery. Yeah, I so what's what's being implied there is that nobody that could suffer with gender dysphoria would want to not continue with their gender dysphoria. Like if yeah. if you were to try and reverse that or if someone was to try and stress test your uh ideas around your own gender identity um, that is also now put underneath trying to turn gay people straight again. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It's, it's classed as the same kind of thing, which is which is ridiculous and not based on any data. Fuck. And also, the you know the there isn't really a huge problem with the gender um, uh, with sorry with conversion therapy in in the UK. We don't have we don't have a huge amount of um, you know people administering electric shocks to gay people to try and make them straight. It's something that happened in the sixties. And isn't happening now. I couldn't believe that that was even like still a thing, <laughs> even slightly still a thing. I, I mean, that, yeah. when I first saw this, and I didn't realize the externalities to people that are suffering with um, gender dysphoria for their gender identity. I'm like, what the? Fu- what is this? Is this Alan Turing back from the dead to become medically castrated again? It feels so medieval. Yeah, well, Alan Turing is you know a famous um, victim of, of conversion therapy. So yeah, chemical castration. I think he chose chemical castration because the option was going to jail uh, for for being gay. And obviously, uh, jail is you know if you're gonna if you're thinking of a punishment, jail is not where you want to send gay people. They're gonna have a great time in there. Didn't he but, end up? Um, <laughs> well, wasn't it something that you said about um, some of the conversion therapy things were just putting loads of boys in a room with priests for a couple of weeks? Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, yeah. The pray the gay away camps. One of my mates went to got sent to one, and it's it's ridiculous. I mean, like you know, like if you, <laughs> if you take like two hundred gay teenage boys and put them at a camp together, overseen by priests, there's not going to be less anal sex going on at that camp. You know what I mean? <laughs> so um, yeah, 
pretty stupid. <laughs> it's the worst <laughs> conversion therapy of all time. Everyone's just come back yeah. really, really skilled. Yeah, 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 yeah. Fucking yeah, hell. or maybe maybe they have maybe it's like when your dad catches you smoking a cigarette and he makes you smoke the whole pack. Like you know, these kids are going to come back. <laughs> the camp arsehole's like a car crash. So that's how it works. Fuck. Have you heard of black fishing? Do you know what this is? No. Okay. So uh, Jesse Nelson, former Little Mix singer, addresses music video mm. controversy. Yeah, I did see this. So she's she's been accused of. Um, and this has happened to a few people in public. It's happened to Louisa Omelin, the comedian. So they, they get accused of um, appropriating black culture to try and be cooler. Yes. Which, which really, I mean, it is cooler. Black culture is a fair <laughs> bit cooler. Like white people, white people culture isn't exactly the coolest thing on the planet. And I don't yeah. think that any black person would say that it is either. Stick to your own cool culture. Former Little Mix <laughs> singer Jessie Nelson said she never intended to cause offense after being accused of black fishing in her debut solo track. The singer, 30, was criticized by some people in social media for her appearance in the video for Boys. Nelson was accused of blackfishing, a practice of, non, of a non-black person trying to appear black, but has denied using fake tan. <laughs> I can't believe that they're like, we'll get the Dulux color chart out. Jesse, have you gone below an eight here? Because that nine, that is not to be used by you at all. Uh, also, yeah. Nicki Minaj has got like based over the last couple of months, hasn't she? I haven't seen anything by Nicki Minaj, but I do know that like, if you go to the, like, the whitest cities, like Glasgow, uh, Newcastle as well, uh, you know, where, where we're from, you go there, people, are, people really put on the tan and they go to tanning salons and you know, Glasgow, man, you'd think you're, like, everybody's like Oompa Loompa colour. Yeah. It's insane. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I think that another problem isn't just the way that, because she didn't have dreads. It wasn't like, yeah. how would you say... Uh, archetypal, ancient sort of the, the the commonly held desires of black people and the way that their grandparents would have dressed. It's like wearing a pair of Air Force Ones and yeah. and, and baggy yeah, yeah. tracksuit bottoms. It's hardly what I see as the crux of black culture. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely, absolutely. There's no do rag, you know. There's no um, you know feathers She's, or anything. Oh, he, he was another one, actually. Uh, Nelson said she is fortunate to easily tan when in the sun and told Minaj, so she did a live. I can't believe that you need to go and do an Instagram live with Nicki Minaj to try and rehabilitate your public image. Told Minaj is that, that what she did? Yeah, pretty much. That's uh, hilarious. Uh, somebody had previously commented on her propensity to tan. Okay, so she's got an alibi to how easily she tans. Uh, she right. said that her hair is naturally curly after complaints that she had changed her style in the music video. She added, I genuinely didn't think I was doing anything wrong because I've got naturally curly hair. I'm looking at a photo of her and she's ginger and I've never seen a black ginger <laughs> person. So, I mean, if you want justification. Yeah. That I she's... don't understand why people, when they get called out by stuff like this, why, you know, why is she coming out and be like, oh, I tan really easily and I've got naturally curly hair. Just come out and say, like, mind your own fucking business. Like, you know, obviously women always change their hair. They want, you know, if they've got straight hair, they want curly hair. If they've got curly hair, they want straight hair. It doesn't mean that they're, they're calling for, uh, you know, the Fourth Reich to, uh, to rise and, and dominate with Aryan nations. Like, it's, it's ridiculous. Like, you're allowed to, like, you know, put on a bit of makeup and change your hair if you want. I don't know. It's um, the whole idea around now people sort of staying in their lane you know, actors yeah. playing the appropriate role for whatever their 
gender, sexuality, orientation, background. Yeah. Disability. D yeah, correct. Yeah, which I mean, I don't know. Where do you stand on that? Man, I think they're actors. They're, they're acting. And I think if you, if you narrow the field down, if you say that only, um, you know, only transgender people can play tr transgender roles, number one, you're narrowing the, num the field uh, potential talent down to an incredibly narrow field. And also you're making it less likely that those stories will get told. So, you know, there's two ways that it's, it's negative for, for the film and for, for transgender people. Also... You've had some pretty good actors come out of Scotland, and if they're only permitted to play Scottish people, they're yeah. fairly limited. You know, I mean, no one yeah. was no one was looking at Killian Murphy when he did uh, Peaky Blinders and saying, uh, "Excuse me, Killian, can we actually check if you weren't born in Ireland and were from the the town of Solihull or whatever instead?" But <laughs> uh, that's no one's no one's fact checking yeah. him. So it, yeah, it's very yeah. much particular pr protected groups that have the problem. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, He's... absolutely. And, and it, anything like that, um, you know, where particular groups are sort of deified and, and placed higher than other groups in the sort of oppression pyramid. Um, so nobody, like, you know, a black person wouldn't get in trouble for um, straightening their hair. Um, and a transgender person wouldn't get in trouble for playing a whatever, like a, a normal, like a woman, like if they're, if they're a transgender person, in fact, they'd be celebrated for it. So what's, what that's doing is uh, placing a seed of, um, uh, you know, dissatisfaction in everybody's mind that why why are these people getting treated different? Why do they get special treatment? Um, which obviously isn't good for for social cohesion and and the rights of everybody in the long run. I saw you have a debate about censorship in comedy, which descended into the history of women's football. What happened there? Oh yeah. Yeah, with Kate Smurthwaite. Do you know Kate Smurthwaite? No, she's got very standy outy neck veins uh i noticed yeah. that that you managed to cause some serious neck vascularity to happen <laughs> during that debate that was the main thing i took away from it yeah yeah it was uh, it was hilarious basically she um so it was on sunday it was on gb news and we we're debating freedom of speech and comedy and she came up with all these bizarre claims like she says she hears racist jokes every month she hears racist jokes uh told by other comedians at gigs she's doing and like i i don't hear racist jokes i you know i gig most nights and um you know i do working men's clubs and all the rest of it you know i do shows in london i do do anything anything i'm booked for butlins whatever i don't hear any racist jokes and uh, i'm considered uh, to be a you know far-right nazi racist homophobe transphobe and all the rest of it so I'd, I'd think that i'd be put on bills with the racist comedians if if there were any uh, I never hear any, and I, I know why I don't hear any, because if you told a racist joke uh, on stage at a comedy club, um, people wouldn't like it because it's 2021, um, and we're performing in front of, you know, every time we perform, we're performing in front of a group of people uh, who are just, you know, members of the public. So if you say anything that's socially unacceptable, they won't accept it, because that's how socially unacceptable works. Um, but yes, and Kate said she's, you know, and she's doing all these like woke, the only, the only gigs she, she does are oh, like, she's a know, comedian. Woke. She's a comedian. You yeah, are although, kidding I'll, me. Well, I could I've have never, sworn I'm, that she was some sort of, I don't know, journalist, editor, lady. I didn't know that she was a comedian. Well, I haven't, I haven't actually gigged with her in a comedy club since, uh, like we did the Jersey Comedy Festival in like 2012 or something. 
Um, so yeah, it's been like eight or nine years since I've actually performed with her. Um, and so maybe, maybe she's not really a comedian. I, look, I looked on her um, gigs list online and there's no gigs booked in. So I don't know. I don't know where she's. I don't know where she's performing that other people are doing racist jokes. But I think you know she might have been lying. Um, and yeah, she said uh, yeah the the women's football thing. You know because people she was she was saying it was right that Roy Chubby Brown should have been cancelled and people were right to write in letters and stuff. So Roy Chubby Brown is due, due to perform in Sheffield and he's cancelled by uh, Sheffield Council. Because they said he doesn't reflect the values of Sheffield Council. And it's like, yeah, he's not supposed to reflect the values of Sheffield Council. He's not the mayor. He's a fucking comedian. And, like, I don't want to go and see some, like, uh, council value show. That sounds shit. That sounds so boring. I don't want, like, man, I used to work in local government. And they're all so wasteful and boring and shit. We should just do away with them. Just get, like, you know, a small council that, like, collects the bins and keeps the, keeps the roads in good nick. Um... But yeah, so they cancelled Roy Chubby Brown. And she was saying it's right that they cancelled cancelled him. And uh, I was just saying, like, I just don't think, you know, like, if, if you don't want to go see a comedian, if you don't think a comedian's good or funny, just don't go and see them. I did a show at one of my favourite clubs in London um, and somebody wrote a letter into the club or wrote an email into the club saying, uh, oh, I came to see Leo Kers' show in July at your venue and it was horrifically offensive and horrible. Um, and I came back to see it again in November and it was still horrifically offensive and horrible. Please cancel him from you, you know, your club. And it's like, instead of cancelling me, why don't you stop coming to the show? You know what I mean? <laughs> like, it's absolutely ridiculous. I don't even think they were at the show because they said I was like homophobic and all the rest of it. I didn't say anything. Like, the, the club filmed everything because you've got to these days to you know cover yourself. And they reviewed the footage and realized I hadn't said any of the stuff that, what that do you, she said. What, what do you I mean was, that they need to film everything to cover yourselves? What's that? So if somebody says, oh, you know, this person said something misogynist, they need to be able to review the footage and see no what way. the person said. And that's happening, mm. that's common practice in the UK? Yeah, yeah, it seems to be now. I, I record everything. Every show that I do, I record the audio. So, you know, if anybody complains, then I've got that as a, as a backup. No fucking way. Mm. That's and, yeah, what... People wonder why comedy is becoming incredibly bland and comedians are self-censoring so much, you know? That's wild. Yeah. So how did it get onto women's football? What's that got to do with it? Oh, yeah, so women's football. I can't really remember. I, I just said, like, women's football is, like, uh, women's football is shit. And um, uh, yeah, I can't even remember. Oh yeah, no. I said, oh, that's right. I said woke comedy. Woke comedy is like women's football. Uh, it gets written about a lot in the Guardian, but it's shit. And that wound Kate up. So you know, I hammered it home some more, saying how I was going to get. She had a she had a, a an idea around. Was it World War Two? When so she said she said the reason women's football isn't popular isn't because it's shit. The reason women's football isn't popular is because um, she genuinely said this with a straight face is because um, it became incredibly popular during World War Two when all the men were, you know, at war, uh, getting themselves blown up because um, the patriarchy favors men. And um, she said, so women's foot when when the men came back from the war, uh, the authorities suppressed women's football, and we're now eating the progeny of that. That women's football yeah. was lambasted in the 40s and 50s and 60s, which has caused us today to have an aversion to watching women play football. Man, I'm more than happy to watch 
woman's sport if they're good at it. But I watched a game. Yeah, of, I or, watched, if, or if they're fit. I'll watch it if they're fit, like the the volleyball in the Olympics. Correct. That's but better dude, than most sport. I mean, football. It's barely anyway, a sport. So. Volleyball in the Olympics is barely a sport. Let's. It's softcore porn that gets played before the watershed. Yeah. Um, I watched a game of cricket, uh, the hundred, which was a, a competition this year. They did a, a special hundred ball game, and um, the way that they did it was they had the the ladies' game from the same teams, and then the men's game. Uh, straight after each other, so you could go and go and watch. And uh, I watched one innings have eight dropped catches. Like, I could go and see an under 11s game and not see eight dropped catches. <laughs> and I'm like, look, I'm all for supporting women's sport. Oh, but if you man. can't fucking catch the ball, this yeah. is no, this is no longer of, a sport. Think of the number of dents in the car park. And. <laughs> <laughs> but oh oh the halftime sandwiches just an amazing spread well that's but, only yeah, like that's only because you have a, a high proportion of female cricketers i think that are lesbian so you've got yeah. like two two really good people in the kit i mean i remember <laughs> i remember when i was when it would be one of the lads that didn't have a partner and it was his turn to make the lunches when we used to play cricket and it would be yeah. him and whoever his housemates were, and it would be the worst spread. It's quite a good yeah. way to do it because he'd never be asked back to do it. You would only ask the people that had female partners. So yeah, yeah actually, yeah. that's that's one way to look at it. But yeah, man, I'm fucking, I'm all for supporting women's sport if they're good at the sport. You can't, yeah. you can't force it down the, people's throats. Yeah, and that's the thing, though. Like, I mean, sport is pretty much a meritocracy. You know, if something's popular, if somebody wants to watch it, it's not like any promoter is going to be like, oh, no, I'm not going to promote this uh, because it goes against my sexist beliefs. They want to make money. They want to make money. So they'll put on women's football if it's going to shift tickets. Uh, but, like, does Kate, does Kate Smartwaite have a season ticket for, for women's football? She doesn't. Swansea Town you know, WFC or whatever, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. People talk it, but, they, you know, they talk the talk. Here's a, here's a fucking good example. Think about um, the UFC. The UFC regularly has uh, female fights as the the title fight of the night, yeah, final fight yeah. of the night. Like, and those are those are unbelievably talented athletes. And I'll happily mm. watch two women smash seven shades of shit out of each other just yeah. as happily as I will a man. Like, and I don't <laughs> care. They're 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 yeah, faster. Yeah. The knockouts are a little bit less powerful, but they're still like dope to watch. Down, oh, yeah, yeah. Down. But eight drop catches. Now, if, if, all, if all that the girls did was circle each other in the ring and like do, do that thing, I wouldn't yeah, want to watch yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, Fuck, man. Eight drop catches. That is mad. Disgusting. I'm just, um, I'm did just you see the, um, the hubbub around this <coughs> University of Pennsylvania trans swimmer? You seen this one? No. Okay, so. Because um, this is, this, trans athletes, that's an area where it does kind of. Um, you know, a lot of the arguments do break down. You've got like Laurel Hubbard, who, uh, you know, transitioned when she was in her 30s, tr competed as a male athlete previously. So it's like, that's not fair. You know what I mean? That is not fair. No. And I mean, Fall this was... Fallon Fox and, and UFC, you know, like the uh, women that fought her said, you know, I've never experienced strength like that. And obviously, because that, that's like a man who's like, you know, totally hulked out and stuff. So you've got like, you know, going through male puberty conveys certain advantages to transgender athletes you get like um you know bigger skeleton stronger bone structure greater muscle mass it's easier to being on a, a course of testosterone a high course of testosterone 
compared with your gender for 35 yeah. years and then decided to pivot out. So yeah, um, it's yeah, impossible to- Yeah, you're doing steroids for 30 years and yeah. then like, you know- Cycled off and said, right, I'm now going to compete. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's impossible to beat a despondent female rival say swimming against trans Leah Thomas is intimidating and discouraging <laughs> after teammates spoke out and said, everyone knows it's wrong. She beat her next closest opponent by a full 38 seconds uh, and won pretty much everything, basically. Yeah. She broke two national records when she competed. She'd competed up until 2019 and then had a little break and come back. There's something, I don't know how you feel about this, man. There's something that feels particularly, I, I really don't know where I stand on the, the trans women in, in sports discussion because it is you, you do want people to be able to compete in their chosen pursuit and if they're good and so on. But then also you know that there's this unfair advantage, but then making a trans women only division also doesn't really feel like a particularly good outcome. Making them com yeah. continue to compete with men also doesn't feel like a particularly good outcome. I, I kind of struggle to see a good what, way to what, put this. What about, what about if we put them in the uh, Paralympics and then instead of uh, women getting beaten by 38 seconds, it was somebody with Down syndrome getting beaten by like four hours and 12 minutes. Would that be a, a good solution? <laughs> no. No, no, we can't do that either. That's good suggestion, but I'm not convinced that that's going to work. Um, but there's something that, that feels particularly egregious about it being college athletes or like kids, because you yeah. know that at that stage, there's more branches of life open to them, right? There's more paths that they could go down to sponsorships, scholarships, paths to go to university and move into professional sport and stuff like that. I don't know. There's something about that. Do you get that sense as well that there's just something like extra unfair about trans athletes in college that are taking spaces from other athletes? I don't know. Yeah, I mean, like the whole thing about athletes is I feel like they've got an unfair advantage through some trick of biology anyway. Um, so I'm kind of, you know, and also I'm not, I'm not a feminist. I'm delighted to see uh, women upset that they're being beaten by a biological male. So, um, yeah, I mean, I can't really see, I can't really see the downside. It's, um, you know, <laughs> like, and you look at also, you look at the women weightlifters that Laurel Hubbard was competing against. They weren't like dainty little like maid, maidens. They're like, they look like, you know, big old lumps as well. Um, I mean, obviously, if I was a woman or, a, you know, cared, then I'd think differently. But um, I, I genuinely, um, I genuinely just quite enjoy watching feminists and, uh, and, and transgender rights activists tear each other apart on, on things like that. I don't know what's going to happen as you continue rolling forward with the intersecting ideologies of whoever's the, got the most grievance. Like, mm. It feels like it's got to be a snake that eats its own tail at some point, do you not think? Yeah, it's already, it's already so convoluted and so... Um, it's so communist in the, the, sort of the way that ideology works that, you know, if, if J.K. Rowling, you know, pulls back the curtain to reveal the lie that, you know, you've got... Like, so, you know, I... If I said I'm a woman, like, according to all these, like, woke ideologists the trans rights ideologists i'm now a woman and it's like well obviously not i'm just there's a, a fundamental difference a between you and blair white 
Yeah, 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 yeah. I don't know, man. I don't know. I don't know how that ends up, how this sort of situation ends up finishing itself because it's going to fragment itself and continue to fracture into so many different groups and subgroups that yeah, what's left? Yeah, and we've, we're already seeing it happening with the um, LGBTQ community. Uh, so you know, got the LGB Alliance because a lot of uh, lesbian and gay people feel that they're being erased by, and you know, quite quite rightly because if somebody. Um, if a child or you know a young person, teenager, whatever, presents um, with gender dys- dysphoria, um, quite often that's because they've got like they're same sex attracted, and um, you know they're, they're being sort of coached that that's because they're born in the wrong body rather than they're homosexual, um, and then they're putting the the pathway to you know this conveyor belt to to, to transitioning, um, and you can see you know a lot of lesbians are are quite manly quite butch um and a lot of gay guys are quite effeminate um so they'd be the ones being put on the the, the path to transitioning now and it's i i mean this is, this is actual state policy in iran which has got the highest level of uh you know transitioning um in the world uh, but basically being being gay in iran is illegal so um you've got the choice between uh, you can either be gay and go to jail or be, be killed or you can transition to being a woman, and then it's fine. You know, so you've got like you know the the sort of the state is transitioning thousands of people in Iran, and um, what we're seeing now is people wanting to detransition um, and reconcile with their their biological gender, um, but it's it's difficult once you've been on once you've had the puberty blockers and the hormones and the surgery. It's very difficult to untangle that and, and rework rework yourself. So I think you know we're storing up problems. This is going to be the thalidomide of our era. Uh, in ten years' time, there's going to be so many uh, people who are like uh, you know a confused thirteen-year-old uh, and were sort of brought into this this pathway to transitioning, and uh, are going to be um, absolutely uh, distraught and, and wanting to to detransition. And obviously, it's not you know I'm not saying everybody is going to be like that. For a lot of people, it is the right the right thing to do, but they're they're scooping up everybody and applying you know the same the same treatment to everybody um that's what andrew doyle talked about the fact that he thinks a lot of um gender reassignment for children is rehabilitated uh concern about homosexuality it's being it's rehabilitated homophobia looked at through a different lens that parents don't want I, i can't remember who it was he quotes this guy who said um he knew that his little boy was always a girl when he said that he was attracted to guys and he's just so glad that his son isn't mincing about talking to boys anymore. And you're like... exactly. Pure homophobia. Is no one fucking seeing this? Yeah, yeah. That's basically Iran's state policy. That's the guy's basically channeling the Ayatollah Khomeini right there. Fucking hell, man. I don't know. I don't know. There was a um a Denver elementary school that put a, a sign outside advertising families of color, of color playground night. So they've essentially created a racially segregated playtime for equity. <laughs> they do this a lot. Sainsbury's did it as well. They had, uh, they had safe spaces um, for, for ethnic employees, um, which, you know... The thing with any sort of separation by by race <coughs> is, you know, it's, it's separating people by race. It's, 
whether you say you're doing it for a, an altruistic or a positive reason doesn't matter because you're separating by race and then it then it gives um it gives sort of ammunition or validates anybody who wants to separate people by race for for nefarious reasons for racist reasons there was a was it a 12 days a 12 weeks a slave workout that was released was oh, that last God. year was that by Sainsbury's as well because oh, and, and it yeah, was something Sainsbury's like being because being a slave was hard and so is this workout oh yeah yeah i remember that that wasn't sainsbury's that was a personal trainer was it then then had a had an internet pylon uh which is kind of unfair because i mean i think i think he was black um and he had this pylon and he just hadn't thought it through but he's a person it is poor it is poor marketing yeah yeah. he's thinking with his muscles but if he could think things through he wouldn't be a personal trainer you know what i mean (laughs) getting paid like 12 pound an hour to like help housewives do setups obviously it's not going to be the brain of britain Ah, I don't know. This, Sainsbury's, the whole racially Sainsbury's, segregated thing is is kind of a little bit of a weird one because hmm. I think one one argument that I saw to do with Denver, I don't know much about Denver, apparently not a lot of black people. Uh, so yeah. it you're f- finding a way for people to be able to create a community, but it feels like anything that's bureaucratically forced top down anything that's dictatorial and not just look if you want to hang together in the schoolyard or after school or when you collect people like who yeah. the f- who the fuck's the elementary school to say that mm. this is the way that we should yeah. exist in the world and it's it's terrible it's drawing attention to racial differences rather than sort of you know because i was i was always brought up you know school taught us that you know uh, race is only skin deep and obviously it's not. There's cultural differences and all the rest of it. Um, but we were taught to sort of be friends with each other. We were in Scotland, so it didn't make any difference. There weren't any black people. But, um, but yeah, and certainly, you know, I've got black friends who say, you know, things are regressing. Things are getting worse. Uh, because it used to be that everybody would just hang out together. And now <coughs> we're having this sort of top-down enforced um, separation of people. And you know, Sainsbury's companies are exploiting it and exploiting the division. Sainsbury's had that, that terrible tweet that was uh, they basically said, um, you know, anybody is welcome to shop in in Sainsbury's, no matter what their what their race. Uh, and if you don't like it, go and shop somewhere else. And it's like it's fine to say, you know, everybody's welcome to shop in Sainsbury's regardless of their race. I mean, I'd, I'd assume that was the case anyway. I wouldn't assume Sainsbury's was racist, even though they're owned by the Qatari Royals, which. You know, they run an extremely racist country with a you know genuinely objectively racist regime um, that actually uses slaves. Uh, the slavery, you know, it's mad that for all that people bang on about slavery, the only bang on about transatlantic slavery that finished four hundred years ago and was ended by the British. Uh, nobody bangs on about the fact that you know there's more slaves now in the world than the there was four hundred years ago at the peak of transatlantic slavery. No way. And. Uh, yeah, yeah, like in China, so you got like um, uh, companies like Nike uh, and Apple using uh, Uyghur Muslim uh, slaves. So they, they contract to the Chinese government. The Chinese government has uh, around about a million Uyghur slaves uh, held in, in work camps. So basically slave labor, basically concentration camps, um, but slave labor and they, they have to um, you know, work for the Chinese government. Um, so, you know, Nikes get, get made there. And Nikes that are then sold by Colin Kaepernick as, uh, you know, this is 
we're standing up for minorities. It's the most fucked up, most fucked up world. It's, it's great being a comedian now because there's so much stuff to talk about. In the 90s, all I could talk about was airline food. But now there's all this like, you know, genuinely horrific, uh, you know, fascistic stuff going on. And Sainsbury's, yeah. So Sainsbury's said, you know, uh, so, you know, anybody's welcome to shop in Sainsbury's regardless of their colour. And if you don't like it, shop somewhere else. And it's like, well, what are, what are the racist supermarkets then? If you're saying, you know, Sainsbury's is a non-racist, anti-racist supermarket. Waitrose. Yeah, you're saying Waitrose is racist? Like, you know, it's ridiculous. Obviously, none of the supermarkets are racist because it's 2021. Fuck. I, um, yeah, there's something that feels quite uncomfortable about a company that is weaponizing social justice, <clears throat> ongoing social justice campaigns in order to, yeah. to monetize, especially when you think, okay, and the underpinnings of this are total bollocks. You know, if you mm. were using it, if the byproduct of you standing for a, a, a cause which is genuinely just was that maybe you gained some brand equity, whatever, like that's happened since the beginning of time. But if mm. you're creating a fake problem or talking about a non-existent issue in order to then try and commercialize it that just feel it, it's the stupidity that annoys me the most yeah no absolutely absolutely and the the cynicism and the, it's always these companies that are sort of pretending to be um you know, it's super woke and doing it for the right reasons. When obviously it's, a, it's an advertising campaign, they've run it through focus groups and they've had boards look at it and stuff and, uh, you know, processed it and been like, this is the thing that's going to sell us more ice cream. Like Ben and Jerry's, Ben and Jerry's are constantly uh, tweeting, tweeting stuff and tweeting, tweeting abuse at the government for their treatment of refugees. Then you go to, you know, Ben and Jerry's are like, we need to let all the refugees into the country. Then you go down to Ben and Jerry's, they lock the doors at night. It's like, so how come you're, we're allowed to enforce that border? Like, why is the border around Ben and Jerry's allowed to be enforced? Uh, they're, all, they're all full of nonsense. And also, um, you know, by saying that, um, you know, they, they say that um, Ben and Jerry's, they supported all the, the rioting and the looting in Black Lives Matter. So you should go and steal Ben and Jerry's. I saw, because I've been out here for a little while, so I missed, like, all of the run-up to Christmas, including the adverts. Wasn't there a kickoff mm. about John Lewis as well? Wasn't, wasn't there a, a fake scandal around the fact that it was a black family in the John Lewis campaign, which I just thought looked like a, like a nice. It was an average advert, but just a nice family. I would be amazed if there was anything other than a black family in an advert. Uh, you know, for another probably about eighteen months, uh, and there's certainly no, uh, certainly no white couples. All the couples have to be interracial. Um, yeah. What do you no, think that's, that's about? Why do you think that's happening? Because of Black Lives Matter, all of a sudden it all, you know, the same thing happened in comedy. If you look at TV comedy, it's all, because um, most comedians are middle-aged white men, bald white men, because um, it's mostly men that want to do it. Uh, the UK has mostly got white people in it, and it takes a while to become good at comedy. So by the time you get good, you're like, you know, 45 or whatever. Um, so most comedians that are good enough to watch are, you know, middle-aged white men, Um but if you look at TV comedy, it's all, um, you know, fat black women and 22-year-olds. Well, what do you say um, to people that say, well, they haven't had their time in the limelight. This is an opportunity for previously marginalized groups to finally get some time on stage. Yeah, no, I think, I think it's, it's great. I mean, if somebody's got a YouTube channel, I think it's brilliant that uh, TV is 
um, you know, writing itself into irrelevance. Um, so you can either go and watch, uh, you know, a, a shocking set on Live at the Apollo by, uh, you know, a non-binary 22-year-old um, ethnically mysterious person, or you can watch me, you know what I mean? So, it's great. Long may the BBC continue to destroy itself, is what I see. Yeah, so is there a, should someone step into a meritocracy in your in your view? Is there a, a a point at which there needs to be, I don't know, like affirmative action to do with representation or should it just be a complete free market? Um, I think, uh, seriously, there, there needed to be some sort of uh, improvement representation. Um, and I still don't think we've got fair representation. Maybe um, in terms of ethnicity, but not in terms of class. <coughs> and Because people... Um, you know, if, we, if we've got a lack of, uh, you know, Asian, Asian comedians or black comedians, um, that can be because there aren't enough black comedians to start off with. So they don't, you know, if, if you're a, a black kid, um, you're not going to look at, you know, or you might not look at Billy Connolly and be like, oh, yeah, I want to be like him. But you look at Lenny Henry or Chris Rock because they're black. You know what I mean? So you're going to feel that affinity. Um, so by putting people in those places, you're giving role models to, to the next generation. So, yeah, I think it is positive. I think where it falls down, though, is, uh, you know, there's loads of good um, black comedians, loads of good female comedians. They don't, they don't pick, like, when, it, when it comes down to tokenism, when they're, they're picking people according to their demographics, like Nico Yearwood, the guy I do three speech podcasts with, man, that guy's just an absolute killer. He's so funny. He's so funny. He's got so much charm and charisma and, and wit, like, uh, he, he's great off the cuff, his material's great. Um, he could, man, that guy could be, could be huge. Uh, but he's not getting the breaks on TV, and it's not just because he's lazy, because he is lazy. But like, is they look at him and they're like, nah, well, he's he's you know he's about forty. Um, I don't think he's you know he's not he's not right for he's not right for us. We want a twenty-two year old. A twenty-two year old's going to come out and do like some absolute dog shit material about how you know. Um, basically, young people aren't funny because not enough bad stuff has happened to them. But yeah, Nico's really funny, and he's not getting the breaks. Same, same with the female. There's some hilarious female comedians that, that don't get a break because they're not good looking enough, or too good looking, or or whatever it is. Uh, when when the sort of powers that be are, are placing people based on their demographics, it's tokenism, and it doesn't it doesn't work. But it's never based on class demographics. This is what Rogan said. Who who would have thought that uh, an episode with Snoop Dogg would have had some secret wisdom in it? But it did. And uh, he said one of the reasons that the powers that be get people to focus on race is that it stops us from focusing on class. Yeah, yeah. And I think we know that in the UK, uh, class is a far bigger differentiator than race. Uh, you know, obviously, like if you talk to, you know, I know some um, ethnic people who are incredibly posh, like Calvin Robinson, for example. And um, he, you know, I don't think he gets... Uh, he gets a lot of discrimination uh, based based on his on his race, but you know somebody um, who's got the same ethnicity but is working class is going to be treated a, treated a, a different way, and, and dre- you know if, if you're dressed a different way and all the rest of it. Uh, I've certainly experienced classism, even though like the thing that pisses me off, like in London, I get like you know I got knocked back for a job at Coots Bank. Uh, this back you know way back in the day. And I could, I could sort of tell. Everybody else in the interview thing was like super posh and stuff. I could tell. I was like, man, in Scotland, I'm posh. 
You know, don't be, don't be discriminating. You think because I'm Scottish, I'm not posh. But well, the poshest like, person in Scotland is the poorest person I'm the in poshest London. Per- yeah, I'm the poshest person in Scotland, you motherfuckers. <laughs> and also your bank's owned by the Royal Bank of Scotland. So, like, you know. Give me my fucking really Jew. Give me my nation's desire. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Fuck. What have you got coming up next? What's next on the plate for you? So, yeah, hopefully I'm going to get over Omicron soon. Oh, fuck. Um, have you had to rearrange a ton of dates? Uh, yeah, I just I cancelled it, but I was supposed to headline for the Free Speech Union gig last night, um, and I was supposed to be up in Blackpool and uh, Liverpool and Burscough, or whatever it's called, um, this weekend. But I've had to cancel those. Um, so yeah, I'm just I'm I'm just taking the the opportunity to write stuff for my YouTube channel. So I'll be doing a new video. I'm going to do a video next about woke sports people because so we've got the sports personality of the year competition coming up on the nineteenth. So I'm going to do, and all these people are like, man, Marcus Rashford, you know, he's all like, oh, the government needs to, you know, government needs to um, provide free school meals to all the children and stuff. Then he's dodging his taxes. He's paying himself with a loan. So, he, you know, you don't need to pay tax on a loan. He can just not pay the loan back. So, you know, if he paid his taxes, the government, if all these people, all these woke people, woke people are always like, oh, the government needs to do this. It's like, man, you can give the government more money if you want. I don't want to give the government any more money, but you can, seeing as you think it's so important. And then the government can afford to give it, you know, all the kids can get a free school meal and a Fabergé egg or whatever else they want. <laughs> like, you know what I mean? It's ridiculous. Gary Lineker. Gary Lineker is always like swanning around Twitter, being all like, you know, criticising Lawrence Fox and whoever for, for being terrible people. And it's like Gary Lineker makes his money from the BBC, which is basically taxpayers' money. And then he like, he decides he doesn't have enough money from all the hundreds of thousands of pounds he gets each year from the BBC. So he sells crisps. He markets crisps to obese children who are at risk of diabetes. Uh, so he's basically he's basically deliberately killing children for money. It's like you can't... He's basically like Gaddafi's son. <laughs> <laughs> Gary Lineker's an absolute... You know what I mean? For these people to then try and take the moral high ground... Like, how about you stop killing children, Gary? It's like he'd be selling cigarettes at a playground out of the back of a van if he had his choice. But instead, you know, he's he's selling Walker's Crisp instead. Woke personality of the year, then. So that's done. Where can people go if they want to check out the YouTube channel? Yeah, so I've got a YouTube channel, just Leo Leo Kears. Um, that's that's how you find it. Or my Instagram's Scottish Comedian. All one. No way, you've got left. Scottish Comedian on Instagram. Yeah. Yeah, I couldn't believe it was available either. Fuck it's you, amazing. Daniel Sloss. Fuck you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Man, it's been really good to speak today. Uh, I hope that you get over your Omicron and you have a good Christmas and uh, I will Thanks, catch man, you, you in too. the new year. Cheers, man. Good talking to you. Thank you very much for tuning in. Don't forget that you might be listening but not subscribed. And if that is you, press the subscribe button. Oh, also, actually you can go and give us a five-star review now on Spotify, which is brand spanking new. So if you're listening on Spotify, if you just have Spotify, open it up, uh, find Modern Wisdom and give us five stars. That would be a lovely belated Christmas present to me. Also, don't forget that you can get a free unlimited five-day pass to all of Shortform's uber high-quality book summaries by going to shortform.com slash modernwisdom and you can get a free sample pack of every flavor from Element by going to drinklmnt.com slash modernwisdom. Pay nothing for the pack, just pay for the postage, and you can try it out for a week and a day. I'll see you next time.